You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I spoke, Ed, to a close friend, somebody who I trust completely, where when they told me something just recently in the last couple of weeks, I believed it 100%. And when Pedro Grifol comes out for his press conference and you hear how he talks about the White Sox, his expectations, what he wants to change about the team. He keeps saying the word energy and energy and preparation and maintaining energy and energy again and accountability and keeping up your energy. And it goes back to something that I was told by this trusted source, that within the Royals clubhouse last season, the scouting report they had for the White Sox was get up on them early, do something to them early, they'll give up. If you can get them down, they're done. They beat them 10 out of 19 times. Pedro Grifol was the guy who it sounds like was making up the, the program for them before every team came to town. I guarantee you that he walked in and told Rick Hahn, this is what we thought about your club. They're better than us. We beat you more times than you beat us because of this. And Rick Hahn leapt from his desk, hugged him furiously said thank you after two years of having Tony La Russa as his manager which he didn't want and his owner forced upon him and from that point on that's why he is just so giddy did you see him he looked like somebody who had been freed from prison like I'm not forgiving him for his front <laughs> office moves but that man was the happiest I've ever seen him in my entire life and what Grafol said backs up what I heard about how teams thought of the Chicago White Sox last season. And that tracks with how we viewed him on the field. Now, I, I don't want to impugn your sources, of course. I just find it hard to believe that you have friends. Um, <laughs> this is what I believe, but, man. And I and I heard this a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't want to bring it up because, like, ah, you know, I am just throwing things out there. But after I heard him just keep saying it over, I mean, listen to the man. Well, like I said before, this is an extremely talented ball club. Um and it was a really difficult club to um, prepare for because if the energy was high, they can beat anybody in the game. And if the energy wasn't, um, you know, we were able to, you know, to have some success against them. I mean, he is just saying it over and over. He says it again. Uh, this is a very good club. It's a club that's prepared to to win, to do great things. Um, and I, I, I personally just, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a stickler to, you know, the preparation, the energy. It's going to get us where we want to go. These guys need, these guys are going to come to play every single night. This guy did the scouting reports on the teams coming in. This guy did the prep for his players to make sure they were ready. This guy has expectations for his team that he probably tried to put on a Royals team that didn't have a lot of talent. And this is this lines up with what I had heard about how the White Sox were viewed. And you know what? I viewed them that way. Which White Sox fan watching them didn't feel that way? That the moment they were down, they quit. I mean, I would love, love to be a fly on the wall in spring training when Pedro Grifol gets in front of that entire team 
closed doors and tells them exactly what he and the team he just came from thought about them last year and tells them, and you're better than them, and we kicked your butt, and we won more games than you won against us, and that's why. I would love to be a fly on the wall when he talks to specific players that he scouted and knew were the type of player that would get down on themselves, would give up, would give, you know, half swings up at the plate, would say, well, this game's out of reach. I would love to be there when he tells them, are you in or are you out? And I guarantee you, he's going to be having offseason conversations with certain guys to try to get a feel for them if the front office is going to make any moves. Now, Rick Hahn did come out and say in this press conference, it's not going to be like a complete overhaul of this roster. But let me tell you something right now. He's super excited about his manager. He's super excited about it. He's gushing about his manager. And what Rick Hahn has right now is a second chance. Something where if his manager brings the energy, fixes these things, does what he says he's going to do, and he's able to push the right buttons, he can change the narrative about him. Because for a guy that talked about how you don't want to be insular, and he made a point of saying that about, you know, bringing in guys from other organizations for this coaching staff as well that's going to work with Griffal. He's been around for 20 years. So he's insular. And at some point, push comes the shove, right? He needs this to turn around. That's why he's so excited. He believes after listening to his new manager that this is no longer a problem. In fact, manager is now a plus instead of a minus. And and that's what it had to be. It, it, whatever hire they made, okay, it had to be because Rick believed that this manager was going to take this roster for the most part and take them to the next level in a way that we hadn't seen. And, you know, you're talking about him talking, Pedro Grafol, that is talking about the preparation and the energy and the communication and all of that stuff. We saw moments of that being called out for the 2022 White Sox. We saw Johnny Cueto basically say this was this was a team full of, you know, guys that had no fight in them, right? They were, they were not ready to fight on the field. And we saw when Miguel Cairo took over, when Tony finally stepped down, uh, and, and Cairo became the interim manager, he had that, that come-to-Jesus speech with the team where he's like, what are you guys doing? You still have a chance to win this thing. Get off your butts and let's go. And, and we see with Jose Abreu that there's this sort of parting of ways, this ultimate professional and this team that woefully underperformed. There's this mutual parting of ways that we know is a business decision by Rick Hahn to save some money because of the payroll structure and everything. He's He's got to he's gotta make a sacrifice somewhere on a high-priced player. But also, I didn't get the feeling. I thought Jose Abreu said all the right things about leaving the White Sox and leaving the city of Chicago. But boy, he did not seem to be overly upset with the idea that he was walking away from a team that kind of cost him one of his last shots at it. And there's got to be some disillusionment in that clubhouse as far as we can walk in and we can flip the switch and we can we can just do it. And even going back to something Liam Hendricks said, which, you know, at the time you sit there and you go, that's swagger, but in hindsight, you sit there and you go, that's hubris. The regular season doesn't matter. We know that the playoffs is only is the only real baseball. And it's it's it gets back to practice how you're going to play, right? If the regular season is practice for the playoffs and you practice like listless, you know, and, and with no passion and no care and no preparation, you're going to walk into the real games that way. And so I think Pedro Grifol said all the right things that you want to hear. And I bet you're right. I bet you he said, he just walked in and said, 
I can tell you what my lousy, terrible, should have finished in last place by a mile Kansas City Royals team thought of your supposedly World Series bound White Sox. And guess what, Mr. Hahn? This is what they said. And yeah, I, I could see Rick like actually sweeping everything off of his desk to climb over at Tawny Katane on the hood of a Jaguar <laughs> style to come and give that man a hearty handshake and a hug and thank him for his truth. I bet you it was a love fest in in, in the last interview for sure. Uh, Socks in the basement. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Make sure that you keep water out of your basement. Protect your foundation. Call them 24-7-708-330-4466. It's your basement's best defense. See all they have to offer at FamilyDry.com. We're going to have a guest on here in moments that's going to talk about Pedro Grafol, the man, and what we can expect from him personality-wise and how he's going to run the team. Uh, But Pedro told us a little bit in the presser. Without getting too deep into uh, some of the things, some other things, uh, here are some of the things that you can expect from the 2023 White Sox. We will communicate. Aquí falta de comunicación. No va, no, no va a ver. We will be fundamentally sound. We will play with passion, pride for this uniform. This means something. We will respect the game, our fans, and earn their trust. We will be prepared to control the strike zone on both sides of the ball. We will work hard and play winning baseball every night. And we will definitely hold each other accountable. There's a lot that I love about that, but I my ears perked up with the... Uh, controlling the strike zone. Yeah. I loved that. Like we're going to approach the plate understanding that weighted runs created is like a big deal that, you know, uh, making sure that you're getting every pitch and you're making it count. Uh, James Fegan, who's been on this show so many times from the athletic tweeting out at the end of the press conference, like on a side thing with Grafol that he indicated he wants to get Yoan Moncada back to getting 80 walks a year. Like, this is going to be a focus. He's got a plan. And I don't know if it's going to work out, but what did I say the other day? It doesn't matter who the manager is, as long as I feel the manager is competent, has a plan, and is the right guy for the problems facing this team. I think he's that guy. Now it comes down to whether or not Rick Hahn can put the right pieces in place, make the adjustments, and nobody gets in the way of who he wants to bring in on his staff. We were talking about Ozzy and we were talking about Tony LaRussa and how they managed a certain way that we would felt like Rick might have to remake the the roster into what Tony wanted to accomplish as far as the high on base percentage stuff or Ozzy's small ball grinder ball mentality that that you had the switch over from 2004 to 2005. I walked away from this presser feeling like Pedro Grafol is adapting himself to the roster and he wants to do what he can to maximize the whatever he's given as opposed to sitting there saying no no rick you give me what i need to be successful yeah that, that would make me gush as well this is this is the spot part where i need to catch myself a little bit from going too far over the top a uh, little too too gushing perhaps the wood from this tree belts the ball deep to right into the bleachers. Morningwoodbats.com is the custom wooden baseball bat company that'll help you smoke them over the fence. Check out our custom. 
custom bed builder that allows you to pick the wood species, model, and color and get custom personalized engraving that'll be drop shipped right to you. Put some life in your lumber with Morning Wood. MorningWoodBats.com. 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 Do it today. Use the promo code SOX22 when you make an order at MorningWoodBats.com. You get 10% off. That's for Socks in the Basement listeners. Really cool stuff on that site. Make sure you check it out. On the line with me right now, a guy who is uh, well sought after, I believe. I've seen him pop up in a few different places already. I think it's because he did a very extensive interview with new White Sox manager Pedro Grafol. And Alex Fuse is on the line with us right now. How are you, Alex? Good. Thanks for having me. You, you've done some play-by-play. I want to get into this first before we get into all the fun stuff about Pedro Grafol. You, you've done some play-by-play, and you and I were just talking moments ago before you jumped on, uh, trying to figure out, like, I always go, like, okay, well, how do you pronounce this? And I want to make sure I'm doing this right. And and you probably have to do that every time a team comes in. Like, sit there and look at the at the roster and go, how do these guys all actually say all their names? Not only do you have to figure out how they say it, but you got to remember it throughout the broadcast. So it's like... In your head, if you hear it or you see a name, and it's like, okay, I've seen that before, this is how it is. And then you learn, like, two minutes before a broadcast, it's something completely different. Now it's like, okay, I heard it, but now how do I say if it's a, it's a, it's a big hit or they're coming out of the bullpen and you haven't seen them yet in a baseball game, per se? That's what's so tough. Uh, so you, you learn over the years, um, got to just memorize it and do the best you can at it. It's tough, not easy. One, one of my favorite uh, stories about that that I tell people – Whenever I'm relating how a person's name can be said wrong forever and then a new broadcaster actually asks them and they'll tell them what it is, Juan Uribe played on multiple teams, including the White Sox. He's part of a statue in front of our stadium. We've always known him as Juan Uribe. He goes to the Giants and they're calling him Uribe. And it was like, wait, wait, he changed his name? Nope, that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. All of us were calling him by the wrong name for a decade or so, which is incredible. Yeah, I think in the Royals case, it's Salvador Perez. But sometimes the away team says it like Perez or, or they do something <laughs> different. And, and I'm like, wait a second. You know, so I ask people, you know, in the Royals, it's like, wait a second. Am I saying Salvador Perez's name wrong? And they go, no, it's Perez. But, you know, people on other broadcasts say Perez. And I'm like, okay, what changed? So it's Griffel, right? Pedro Griffel. Yeah, some, yeah, Griffel. You see, I'm still a little off on it. I'm going to have to practice if he's going to be the manager for a while here. So tell us about (laughs) the new White Sox manager here, your impressions of him. You had an extensive interview with him. Uh, You got to sit down and talk with him. He's got some uh, background managing, not at the Major League Baseball level, but he has done some managing internationally. Uh, What are your thoughts on him overall? Well, you look back at, if you look at his body of work, right? I mean, this is an extensive person that's really, he's a person of the game of baseball. He's a baseball lifer. He grew up playing the game. He was a catcher all throughout his college time. One of the best catchers at the collegiate level. Uh, he broke so many, I mean, he had so many records um, at the college level. He was an all-star in the Cape Cod Baseball League. Uh, something that if you're a top prospect in baseball, that's just one of the incredible accomplishments. And then, he, of course, he played all throughout uh, the minor leagues, making it up to AAA for a good portion of his time, and then he retired at the uh, AAA level with the Norfolk Tides back in 99. Uh, but he's been, he was with the, the Mariners for a number of years, started there in 2000, and then left at the end of 2009 to then go to the Kansas City Royals. So you, you, 
you're looking at a guy, while, yes, this is going to be the first time managing at the big league level, baseball's, I mean, his second nature. He truly loves the game, and he knows everything about it. You know, one of the things that I notice when I'm interviewing people here on Socks in the Basement, I'm sure you notice it as well on your podcast and whenever uh, you're doing an interview in, in any setting, uh, that there's the conversation before and a lot of times there's a conversation after. And that's when you learn a lot about the person uh, outside of the interview that everybody else hears. You, what is your impression of the man? Is he going to be strong enough as a first-time manager in a tough town? They were holding up sell the team banners this year in the ballpark. They were chanting fire Tony. This is an angry fan base with a a real big city media that's covering it. Uh, is he prepared for this? 100%. Absolutely, yes. I mean, he's been a part of the winning side of baseball, but also the losing side. So Kansas City fans are diehard fans. We all know that. Maybe not as uh, intense as Chicago can be. It's a larger market, yes. But still, the Royal fans, they want to win, and he dealt with both sides of that. He can feel the pressure of a manager if you're on the coaching staff, I'm sure. So this is an exciting opportunity for him, I think, right? This is a, 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 the reset button that the White Sox are trying to hit right now and bringing in a guy that, number one, I think his leadership, communication, on-field instruction skills, also his bullpen management as well. We'll go into this and his analytics. Those are the, the, the key skills that Grafo will bring to the White Sox immediately, not just on spring training or halfway through the season when he gets settled in. No, this is going to be a day one operation that Grafo is going to run when he gets his first opportunity. Alex Fuse and every guest here on Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure. Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore, and check out Meetathon on the 13th of November. Forget running 26.2 miles. Can you have 26 ounces of meat? I don't know. Ask yourself that question. Get more details at lamontdowntown.com. Here's my big question, and I don't think a lot of people have asked this yet, and I'm wondering what your insight is after following the man and speaking with the man and having conversations with the new White Sox manager. I hear at the end of the season some chatter coming out of the clubhouse. One of the things that was suggested by Liam Hendricks, all-star closer, one of the best in the game, was that the White Sox need a more authoritative figure in the dugout. It sounds like somebody's got to come in there and take control. There's personalities. This is not really a young team when you look at their average age. So he may have to set a few guys straight or at least set a tone. What about Pedro Grafol tells you that he can handle that? I think it's just his experience handling some of the best baseball players that Kansas City has had. I mean, he probably won't say it, but I will for him. Uh, he's one of the masterminds behind Salvador Perez. Right, He was his catching coach when he was first coming up at the big league level. He's been different special assignment coaches at the major league level, both with the Royals um, and a little bit of time with the Mariners as well. He has a lot of experience at the major league level, so he understands the competitiveness that these, all, these players have. So I think Rafal can really get involved with this White Sox team and just point out the simple fact that this is a team that has the talent right now to win a championship if they concentrate and focus on that main goal. 
And I think he obviously wants to win again. He knows what it was like in 2015 to win. So he wants to bring winning baseball back to Chicago, and I think he believes he can do that. So here on Sacks in the Basement, we've covered a couple of managers, and I've seen a lot more of that before I started doing this show. Uh, I once asked Ricky Renteria a question simply about who makes the lineups, and he talked for 15 minutes about Picasso and uh, many artists making a painting, and it was so convoluted I didn't understand the answer by the time it was over. Tony La Russa, uh, short, abrupt, doesn't like it when people challenge him on things that they don't agree with. Uh, tell me a little bit about Pedro Grafol. Uh, is he going to tell it how it is? Is he a guy who keeps his cards close to the vest? What are they going to get out of him in uh, pregame, postgame, and when it's time to talk about easy and sometimes hard things? Well, first off, he's a he's a person that doesn't leave any stone unturned. He's going to do whatever it takes to win that night. Um, I, I said I was talking to someone about this on very similar, maybe not the exact same uh, question that you asked, but someone asked like, what is his style? What is his approach? Well, someone told me in the organization of the Royals on the last game of the regular season, the the Royals were playing the Guardians, and at that time, I think the Royals are probably what thirty games below five hundred at that point in time. But Grafol was so focused and he spent hours tirelessly to prepare for that game. I mean, it's the last game of the regular season. It was a long homestand for the Guardians that time. They played the Royals like five days straight. It's just a lot of people just wanted the season to get over with at that point, right? People knew within the organization that basically Mike Matheny and Kel Eldridge were going to be gone, but yet Grafol was still studying and game prepping and making sure the players felt prepared on their last game of the season. That's the kind of person Grafol will be. I think he's a collaborative guy. He's going to listen to the coaches that are on his staff, but also, you know, hold people accountable at the same time. And, and I think he's going to do what's best to win that game that night. Uh, I've heard a lot about his uh, his analytics. That he's forward thinking. That he uh, worked uh, a lot of things out when it came to shifting. Those rules are changing. Uh, he strikes me as the kind of person that's going to sit there and say, okay, now with the new rule change, how do we find the competitive advantage? But on top of that, is he an analytical manager? Is he a gut manager? W- what is his outlook on just the game of baseball? Is it numbers, facts, and figures? Is it players and emotion? What do you think he leans towards? Well, he learned from Ned Yost first, right? Ned Yost was a manager when he joined the staff and that was ultimately the manager that won the World Series. So he learned from Ned, and Ned isn't a huge analytics guy. We all know that Mike Matheny was more analytical manager than Ned Yost was. So he got to learn from a few different perspectives. Obviously, as a former player, um, a, pro, a professional baseball player, that is, and he knows what it takes to win games. And I think he's going to be analytical, but also he managed where resources weren't really there uh, in the Dominican and other leagues outside the country where, frankly, the resources that Major League Baseball has, all the analytics that we have now, those countries didn't have. So he knows how to win without them. Um, He was a manager in Venezuela and then the Dominican Republic as well for a number of years uh, during the Winter Leagues. But also, obviously, he knows that that is how the game is played now, right? Every team uh, is up up to date with all the analytic analytics usage. So he's going to really try to, I think, just mold the two together. And it's really difficult. I think you see teams lean all in on analytics. I don't think that's going to be him. I think he's really going to say, okay, 
this is what we're going to do and try to find that perfect balance of what's real and what, how do we use analytics to win that night. Alex Fuse, nice enough to jump on with us here on Socks in the Basement. Uh, you do you do podcast interviews, play-by-play, so many different things, Alex. If people want to check everything out, it looks like there's a great landing spot. It's just alexfuse.com, F-E-U-Z. And I appreciate you jumping on the show and talking a little bit uh, about the new White Sox manager uh, because I think that very, very quickly, like a, the moment the announcement was made, it was like, who? That guy was a serious contender, and then Twitter goes nuts, and I think people just need to learn a little bit about the guy. 100%. Thanks again for having me, Chris. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. How do you think Ozzy Guillen feels right now? I, I want to get more into Griffo, but I I want to I just want to get your impression. Like, how do you think Ozzy feels? Like when you get a second interview and you've won a World Series with a team, you probably think you're getting the job, don't you? Like I would think that. Like I put my I try to put myself in his position. And it has to be difficult too when the place that you do pre and post game is covering this like crazy. There's no way. I mean, unless he muted their accounts, it's popping up constantly. The guy who got the job over him. That's got to be a, you know, for anybody, just take all the feelings you have about Ozzie and out of it. Like this was, this is probably a rough thing right now for him. And it struck me. It just like, I was, I was watching how everything was going down. I saw who they announced. I'm excited about the hire. We had discussed Ozzie as a possibility. But when you hear two interviews, I remember when I would ever get a second interview doing anything, the job was in the bag. That's how I felt, at least. This is this is kind of like being rejected by your girlfriend twice, isn't it? Yeah. You know, she dumped you once, and then she she still wants to be friends, and you start hanging out with each other, and then you go in, and you're like, "All right, let's let's go back to the way we were." Okay, let's 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 get back together, baby. Right. And you think you're gonna get together again, and then all of a sudden she introduces you to her new boyfriend. Right. And you're like, "What were we talking on the phone all night for?" Like that's what it. Yeah. You, you invited me over for dinner, <laughs> and you brought your boyfriend. What the hell? Pedro Griffo, though, his hire gives the White Sox an opportunity to clean house. I know there's been some. Uh, information leaked out prior to today about the status of Pedro's coaching staff. Uh, the only thing or the only specifics I can get in today or we can get into today are about those individuals that we are certain will be on his next staff. Uh, Ethan Katz and Kurt Hassler will return in their previous roles. Uh, and we're uh, pleased to also share with you that Charlie Montoya will be joining Pedro's staff as a bench coach, as his bench coach. Uh, the remainder of those spots, we will go through a process with Pedro. 
to conduct some interviews. We have a number of names, uh, none of which we can really get into specifics about because they are mostly under contract with other clubs. There will be some internal candidates from within the White Sox organization for some of these spots. But I suspect at the end of the day, based on the conversations we've had over the last week or so, uh, or a couple of weeks, I should say, that the majority of those spots will be filled by individuals outside the White Sox organization. I also find it really interesting that when I see something like James Fegan in The Athletic list what he's sure of, he lists a lot of people, but he doesn't list Daryl Boston. And in fact, the only time I ever see Daryl Boston mentioned is when somebody's going off a tweet of this is who's staying and the majority of the rest won't be. And they just assume he's out. Like I predict he's the bad penny that somehow slides in there somewhere. Like <laughs> I can't get over it until I see him walk out of the building with his whistle on top of his, his, his box of stuff. He's going to be there somehow. I, I just feel it right now. I feel like everybody's just assuming it. I, I just keep hearing little things like, most of them will be from outside the organization. There'll be a couple of possible hires from inside the organization. Like most of them will be that I'm telling you, Ed, it's that one thing I just can't get out of my head until I see actual video proof of him leaving the building. Even looking him up online, it says officially he's been a White Sox coach continuously since 2013. Okay. So that's, this would be 10 straight years so of much longer. Doesn't it feel so much longer? But, but I feel like he was on <laughs> other staffs before that. Like I, I just, it, it is, it is one of those where sometimes this insular, to use that word again, thing where White Sox players or certain, certain uh, members of the White Sox family, as they as they like to get referred to, just seem to have something of a lifetime appointment. He has not moved around on the coaching staff much, if at all. He's not a guy that you ever hear talked about as being somebody else's manager. So you do, you know, when we were kind of poking fun at Daryl Boston because it's also the number seven overall pick who's basically, you know, never quite lived up to that hype. But we're also, you know, talking about a guy that is one of these sort of endemic of some of the White Sox problems, this legacy thing that they do where... In his case, it's up front. We see it. It just seems like he's always there, like he's a fixture in the ballpark. And we are looking at a team that, for example, has three of its top four outfielders are guys that we consider to be defensively deficient in Aloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, and Gavin Sheets. Uh, then, yeah, if there's somebody that Pedro can bring in that is going to give them better defensive pointers than what Daryl Boston's ever given them, Great. Maybe it just takes another voice. None of those guys are outfielders, though. One's the first baseman, one's the DH, and the other guy is in some sort of rotation until Oscar Colas takes over in right field permanently. Like that's that's in my mind. That's what I that when you say those names, that's how I that's, well, that's how I view them. That's what we're hoping. No, right? that's we're how hoping it has to be. And that's how it has to be. It has to be that way, okay? It has to. Listen, I'm not worried about it being that way because I think Pedro Grafolo is going to walk in and be like, you're a DH, you're the first baseman. Sheets, uh, we'll find a spot for you. We'll see. Yeah, exactly, and let's see what we do in the offseason. The one thing I know they're doing in the offseason, the one thing that seems apparent that they're doing in the offseason, besides hopefully just going outside the organization and bringing in people that don't think like the people in this organization, which should be done at every level in almost every position, Without the in the in every office almost at 35th and Shields, but they're also I think moving on from Josh Harrison because he loves the number five 
and his manager's wearing it now, and he's got an option. I think he's out. I think that's it for Josh Harrison. I think that was yeah, the indication. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see why they would be bringing Josh Harrison back. Well, if you look at the second base like free agent list, it, there's not a lot of options. Like, <laughs> we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this on the next show. Scott Merck is going to be on the next show. I told him, like, instead of doing this right after the press conference, let's just give you an entire weekend to like dig up as much as you can on what's going on with the staff. And then let's sit down and like, just put it all out in front and find out what you learned about Pedro Grafol and the process and everything else. Cause a lot of times it takes a few days to just get through the weeds on it. But I mean, like, like we're going to get into this now on this show, we're going to, we're going to look at all these, these different possibilities and how you're going to, I think more tweak the roster. That's what it feels like now that you found this type of manager and what you're going to add, subtract, possibly trade, and possibly move on from arbitration figures, all of that stuff. We got so much to do. Plus, we got the thousand dollar guest bounty. Remember, Parente and Norum, thousand bucks for the best guest of the off season. I believe, I believe the first contestant will be at the end of next week. If you have not subscribed to Socks in the Basement, do so. You don't want to miss an episode. We've got a lot planned in the offseason. We have a lot of our fun in the offseason, that's for sure. And uh, remember, Parente and Norm bringing us the $1,000 guest bounty this year for free case evaluation. Call or text them today, 312-641-5926, or visit pninjurylaw.com. You got the pronunciation down? Grafol. 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 You got it down, right? It's not Pedro Grafol. It's Pedro Grafol. You're ridiculous. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.